0: Welcome to the June 25th edition of the PFF forecast. It's a, uh, you know, middle of the dead season in sports, but not this podcast. We've got a great show. We're going to talk about the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. This is, of course, useful for fantasy players, useful for betters as we think about getting into uh, that time of the year where we want to have people that the market does not accurately judge. And so we're going to talk about that. It's going to be data-driven using PFF's all coverage data, which some of you may be familiar with. Some of you will explain it uh, to you and um, it'll be great. Uh, and then the second thing we're going to do, Conspiracy Corner is coming back. It's was so well received. We're doing it for a second straight episode. This is going to be a good one, I promise you. And then some baseball betting with Judah. It's going to be a great show. Let's rock. jealous i'm sitting here in california now it's a beautiful day but brad you're in new york judah you're in new york you guys can bet on there's nothing on right there's nothing on there's horrible golf on you know keegan bradley's over here taking 45 minutes to hit you know shots he's up six uh there's baseball it's all you can do okay i can't bet on this and you guys are just you know passing back winners it kind of hurts my soul a little bit
1: I mean, I'm I'm coming off a full day of uh, live betting baseball, living living the good life. Uh, I look honestly, I, I miss it for you. You know, it's it's uh, it's tough to hear that you can't enjoy in the the same uh, beauty of live and baseball. Although my by angels passing, like
2: that. yeah, by passing back winners, it, it means hey Judah, what baseball should I bet? And he tells me <laughs> a pitcher over K's that I've never heard of in my entire life. But it's we're we're gonna ride it. We're gonna ride it, and we're gonna have a good time. Exactly.
0: Now, exactly. The, the bet was to, Tony Gonsolin over four and a half strikeouts this evening. Um, I actually knew the guy's first name. You did not, Brad, which makes me, you know, <laughs> a sharp uh, on the baseball yes. side. I've placed two bets on baseball this year, and they have both cashed before the fifth inning has has uh, finished. Now I have Judah to thank you for that, but um, it's all it's all green. Um, okay, let's let's get into um we're gonna talk about the most underrated wide receivers. Before we do, um, if you have not joined the printing press Discord, you absolutely should. It's totally free. It's arguably like one of the more valuable things that you can possibly have at PFF, but it is totally free. Um, all three of us are in there, a great community of over a thousand people who are uh, talking about betting, whether it be football or Elon Musk versus uh Mark Zuckerberg. Um and, uh, and it's a great place, especially in the off season, uh, to go find some angles to keep you uh, entertained. So go join that. The link is uh, in the bio or sorry, in the description here on this new YouTube channel, which if you haven't subscribed to yet, please do. Helps us uh, keep the podcast going. And um, it's uh, also on Twitter if you can't find the, the link there. Uh, so go join that um, and uh, and get involved. All right. We're going to talk Um, most underrated wide receivers. Now, we at at PFF have a unique opportunity to use a lot of really, really great data. One of the things that um, when I was coming into uh, really trying to use data and, and obviously PFF data to bet on games, you immediately learn, you train one model and you immediately learn, obviously the importance of the passing game. And there's a lot of components of the passing game that we measure really, really well. In particular, the quarterback. But the the quarterback is you know making a choice to throw the ball to one player, and as you start to dig into the different kind of decision points, who's the best quarterback? You know how do you measure passing games? You start to notice the second degree, which is what is happening with receivers and corners. And so you know we realized that um, we were capturing data really, really well on targeted players. And of course, there's all these things that are happening to players that are not targeted. And so um, a few years ago, we started a process called all coverage. Um, We also started a process called QB charting. Um, We have an all route process. And so we are capturing everything about all of the receivers and cornerbacks and and, tight ends and linebackers as well that are happening on players that are not targeted or, you know, on all players and obviously the ones that are targeted as well. So that sets the context for how we're going to have this conversation in a a bit of a more nuanced way, besides just saying, oh yeah, I think this guy's underrated because, you know, have you seen him play? Um, And Judah, you've done a ton of work with this data and have used it actually uh, to your benefit, especially over the last season, as you've structured some narratives for same game parlays and for some of your tail bets using this analysis. So I think it'll be particularly useful. We'll continue to have this um, conversation as the year goes on because we'll be betting with it. Uh, But I think in the off season, it's a good opportunity. So now that I've a lot, I've taken up my entire, allotted time speaking in this podcast, uh, I will shut up and um, let's kind of start with you, Judah, if you could talk a little bit about the different things that you've just used and found useful uh, over the past couple of seasons in um, leveraging this data to to bet.
1: Yeah. The first thing is, uh, This is something that Origin and I wrote up last summer, which is the difference between man and zone coverage, which basically, and I think we actually talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I gave the analogy of like a DeAndre, when we're talking about DeAndre Hopkins and I was like a wide receiver in man is almost like a a young pitcher uh, who can kind of dominate with their stuff as opposed to a zone receiver who uh, is a guy who can win with kind of technique. Uh, but basically, what we found was that man coverage kind of reflects the talent that's on the field. Meaning, if you've got Sauce Gardner versus, I don't know, pick your below average wide receiver, you're probably going to want to play man because if you're a defense, because uh, man reflects the talent and, and Sauce Gardner is going to be a better corner and will likely shut down the uh, receiver. Conversely, if you're a better, let's say, uh, something I picked up a lot this season, I hit a bunch of SGPs with the Dolphins uh, because The teams man coverage teams against the dolphins against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle is a recipe for a disaster uh, because no guys, no corners can cover those two. Uh, And you saw them have huge days. It was against the Ravens and the lions uh, basically on the assumption that the disparity in talent matters a lot more in man versus zone. Um, And I think it also kind of like when you're looking at separation numbers, which I'm sure I'll bring up a bunch throughout this podcast, that kind of does a very good job uh, of predicting future performance. So obviously, yards matters in predicting future yards and in, insofar as like you're looking for a, a stat, but also kind of how well you separate. Uh, think of an example like Kenny Galladay, uh, who when we have the all coverage data, we saw the guy didn't really separate at all. Uh, and it was almost it was a little bit predictable, his decline, because he can't get open and he was winning in contested catches, which previous research has kind of shown to be a uh, fluky and less stable stat. Um, so that's sort of the, the kind of framework that I use. Um, which is that I, I care more about matchups and man coverage when I know a team's going to play man because that's just the reality. The talent uh, is kind of muddled in zone as opposed to reflected in uh, in man coverage. Um, and then looking at things like separation, which we have for every single play, even when they're not when the player is not thrown to you, uh, this stuff is a, a big sample as opposed to just looking at kind of the, the targeted plays. Yeah,
0: just one real quick thing that that you mentioned there, but I'll I'll reemphasize is. You know, everyone knows that an open uh, target is much more valuable than a, a target in tight coverage, but but just how much so? It, it's more than two x. So you know, you want a player that separates. Right? You could be a great contested catch guy, but the the, the proof is in the data. <laughs> like it's way better to be open, and um, that that's just a, a simple fact. So um, I, I think it's a really good uh, kind of context setter.
1: Even um, I'll even add
0: one I, more. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. I just
1: add one more thing that I think is important. Also, it's not just that uh, it's easier to get open; it's better to get open. But in man coverage, actually, the targets are more predictable. So, especially when you're talking about fantasy uh, and and DFS or betting, even uh, in man coverage, we have a better sense of who's going to get targeted. Precisely because it's a lot easier to get open. Uh, if you're a better, right, because of this talent disparity. And for exactly the reasons you're you're mentioning right now, it also matters more uh, when you're open in, in man coverage versus so.
2: I would imagine too, real quick, George, before you jump in, I would imagine if a quarterback identifies the coverage and knows it's man, if a guy has a step against man, he's going to be far more comfortable just ripping it as opposed to if he knows he's facing zone. Yeah. He'll see the guy open, but he might have a quick half second of like, but is there a safety lurking? Is there, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's probably also a mentality thing for the quarterback as well. Absolutely.
0: And that's another thing that you can indirectly measure. So one of the things that um, through our our quarterback charting process that we look at is whether a quarterback makes a throw in rhythm. And I think one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest things with a quarterback, you know, if they, if they don't know, they don't recognize the coverage the chances that they're not going to be able to make a lot of throws in rhythm are, are going to increase. Right. And so you see quarterbacks, the quarterbacks that are making the most throws in rhythm are, you know, this might surprise you, but are players who, you know, are smartest and sharpest at the line of scrimmage. You saw, you know, Tom Brady and Aaron Rogers, um, that was actually one of the big things that Aaron Rodgers all of a sudden kind of turned around when he had those two MVP seasons was all of a sudden he had such a command for, the offense and what he was seeing uh, across on the other side. And it, um, it it paid off. Um, Okay. Let's, let's get into um, some of the most underrated wide receivers. So what's, what's the right criteria here? Everyone knows that, um, you know, Jamar chase is awesome. Everyone knows that Justin Jefferson is amazing. Um, But who are the players that are not getting enough love and if we know anything about wide receivers, it's that uh, most of them probably think that they should be on that list. Uh, probably even the ones at the very top uh, feel that they are slided, but, um, but I think this would be a good conversation. So uh, Judah, why don't we start with you and just kind of go around and, and throw out our favorites uh, until we've got a good list of uh, the most underrated receivers in the league.
1: Yeah, I'm going to start with Chris Olave. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm building in a little bit of projection, but I think this guy might be a, a top five receiver. Uh, in the NFL at least when we're having this conversation in a year from now Uh, and I choose him precisely because I think he does everything really well Uh, I'm of the belief that uh, target share is a lot bit on the receiver I call it earning targets Uh, he like his targets per route run last year was 29 percent I think that was third in the NFL and he wins at each stage of the of the play he can beat man coverage his man's yard per route run was 2.46 in zone It was 2.54 uh, he separates at an elite clip against both men in zone. He's obviously one of the best deep uh, wide receivers in the league. Uh, he's a guy who can win after the catch in the red zone. Uh, and every data point backs him up uh, as a as a terrific wide receiver. Uh, and I don't think it, maybe it's because he was a rookie and obviously he was he had Andy Dalton throwing to him. But I think when we have this conversation in a year from now, Chris Olave will be a, a top five guy.
2: I'll tell you like this. You, you find good beat writers and guys you can trust. Uh, I, I think Nick Underhill with the Saints is probably as good as it gets. Every tweet of his after camp is like Chris Olave is going to be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And people are going to start talking about it like very early in this season. So uh, I think you're on to something there. So you mentioned the criteria, George. This guy is probably more of a known name. But I think for me, the why he falls in this bucket is if I asked you, your 49ers. Name your favorite weapons on the Niners. I think he's the fourth main that most people bring up, right? You hear, oh, George Kill is the best tight end in the NFL. Oh, Debo Samuel is elite. Oh, Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL. Oh, and there's this guy, Brandon Ayuk. So what I love here, too, is he does show up well. He shows up better in against zone uh, in, in Judah's um, data you were talking about earlier. He's also top right corner uh, of the metric or of the graph, I should say, uh, against man as well. But what I like, and that we do is a PFF, and I think, honestly, is my favorite part of what we do here is you can marry the data the pure raw data with the grades and the film stuff too um to get an even better picture so if you just go in our ultimate package and look at we chart when a guy is open wide open uh it's tight coverage a step of separation or i think you're like you know just covered right and um you simply just filter to open and wide open and brandon Ayuk is top five in the rate of, of receiving snaps where he gets charted as open or wide open. So maybe it kind of captures some things that, again, like maybe you know the amount of yards he's open over a long haul might look differently, but you can just watch those those clips too. Uh, and you watch the first 20, 30 of them, and he's just like wide, butt naked open. I, I think he is an underrated receiver. I think he'd be a number one guy on a lot of football teams. Um, and honestly, separate kind of tangent, but – it's gonna be fascinating what they do. The guy needs a massive contract next offseason, most likely. Um, and, and they're obviously not a cheap team. Bose is about to get a huge deal. He, I think, is a fascinating. You know, a couple of years ahead of him because I, I think he's a dog, uh, and I think we don't talk about him enough, frankly.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Now, the reason for this, and I know this because I was, I was early. Eric started saying this, and and I love it, which is you know never wrong, just early. Um, and hopefully you're only early by a couple of weeks. You know, uh, see see me and Pittsburgh uh, Steelers a, a few years back. But sometimes you're you're early by a year. Um, but I was early on the Ayuk kind of over Debo Samuel thing. And, and I you know feel pretty strongly that while Debo is, is a household name and he's amazing, the best receiver on that team is is Brandon Ayuk. And 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 I would you know, I think what Shanahan. He gets a lot of credit, but he should get credit for what he's done with Ayuk, which was really taught him a lesson. It's like, hey, buddy, like you got to come in here and work. You've got to be on your a game, and I think he has been since that wake up call. And like we're seeing this offseason, so I'd expect him to get off to a really really good start. You saw this in the data, but you also saw this watching Niners games, especially in the red zone. The guy was to your point, but <laughs> butt naked, open every single time uh in the red zone now he didn't get the ball every time because they had a a very very large number of options um but uh but yeah i think it's a good one um okay so so my first guy is going to be um a player who i think used to be a guy that would not have qualified for this conversation but because he got paid because then he got traded and because he played on a team that had a putrid offense last year, particularly throwing the football, he has become, I think, a forgotten name. And this is Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is amazing as a route runner, okay? And it shows up in the data. Um, I, I love this. Of the top, I think it is 20, this is a uh, yeah top 18 uh, players in 2022. This is actually something that, that Judah tweeted out Um just a few days ago, but it caught my eye. Top 18 guys in targets per route run, the highest man separation grade belonged to Mari Cooper. And it was like, not particularly close. <laughs> he is like a, a full standard deviation, like to the right of basically everyone else um, in how he separates first man. Now he has been a little bit more of a uh, guy that you just don't fine showing up against zone. I think a lot of that is, is the, the offense kind of stinks and they need to sort of figure it out over there in Cleveland, but against man, he is elite. 2.64 yards per route run against man. And you saw this Dwayne McFarlane uh, used to call this out. Actually, anytime that they were facing a team, the Browns were that played uh, heavy man coverage. It was, you know, time to go start and fire up Amari Cooper and, and bet his overs. And, um, you know, that was something that that I profited on uh, quite a bit. So he he's my first guy uh, on this list. I think we have a pretty good trio so far, but let's see if we can uh, tap a few more guys in there. Do else that, that comes to mind?
1: Yeah, I guess I'm going for the tier of like guys that everyone knows are good, but I think are a little bit better than that. Uh, hmm. I'm going to go with Devonta Smith here, um, who may be overshadowed a bit by A.J. Brown, but like we should not lose sight of how dominant he's been uh, in two years. He's got... Uh, in seventy-seven point six PFF grade in his rookie year, eighty-one point one. The dude was tenth, uh, in WAR last year, uh, among receivers. Uh, and again, he's a type of guy who who can win in multiple ways. Uh, he shows up very highly in our separation metrics. Uh, I think it was like 20, 25th uh, in grade. Um, and also is one of the one of those guys who has a a decent E dot, but at the same time. Uh, can win after the catch, and usually we see in kind of inverse relationship. I think a Debo Samuel, who like by far leads the league in in yak, but also has an extremely low a dot. That tends to be true. Uh, so Devonta Smith is really not one of those guys. Uh, and again, he uh, he can win in multiple ways. Uh, he's really an elite separator, an elite route runner. I think that kind of shows up uh, on the film, uh, and he's produced. And I think like we kind of lose sight of the fact that like he's a really dominant receiver.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's, that's a, a good one for sure.
0: I, and I like what's interesting about the the Eagles, just real quick, is that I think you could make a case that A.J. Brown could, could be mentioned in this conversation. He is so dominant when he's on the field. I think we really saw it start to emerge last year with Philadelphia. But you t- you hear about the Bengals guys all the time, right? Higgins and and Jamar Chase in terms of the best duos, uh receiving duos in the NFL. I think the Eagles guys belong in that conversation. And I think we're going to see that happen this year.
2: Yeah. AJ Brown. I had a good uh, data point from, from Dave so far this past week, he's been top seven in or in uh receiving grade against single coverage four years in a row. And he was like first, twice second one year and set like, he's just, he's dominant and physical and like a different breed. Uh, I guess another guy that honestly is a name, but I think, again, we'll maybe get lost in the shuffle a little bit because there's a shiny new toy in Jackson Smith and Jigba, and obviously everyone knows about DK Metcalf, but Donald Lockett is top 15 in both uh, against man and against zone and the metrics you've shared since 2019, Judah. And, and the guy just too, like, the acrobatic over-the-shoulder stuff, the the, the catching balls through traffic, like, the, the footwork, staying in bounds, toe tap, all that stuff, like the fine arts and the detail. He probably has some of our favorite highlights every single season. And I think just somehow gets lost in the shuffle um, of being like, yeah, look, maybe he's not going to be a 1500 yard, like, you know, 12 touchdown guy, but he just gets open consistently has been good for, uh, you know, all the Gino comes in, no slowing down for him at all, playing through injuries the, pretty much the entire year last year. And it was still very productive. I think he just kind of goes under the radar a little bit. Yeah,
0: borderline and we're really borderline underrated right here. DK, i would say is one of like and i I agree what you're saying which is from like kind of a a national publicity standpoint i would DK is probably one of the most popular players in the nfl amongst especially amongst the younger generation um you know which is is certainly one that like cares a lot more about the player and their personality and like all those things but i think brad that's borderline i'm gonna that's fair i'm gonna give it to you but i think it's borderline um Mm -hmm. My my next one maybe this is is borderline too, but I think again a guy that has probably fallen off the radar, but is I think we've talked about him before, we certainly have poised for a a really impressive return because of the quarterback that he's got, and that's Calvin Ridley, a guy that has separated an elite level. I, I just go back to the year before after Julio left, and you know he was. In some people's opinion, you know, the 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 guy that was going to break out, I think fantasy players were considering drafting him as the number one wide receiver, you know, that year. I mean, I was, it was a little overblown, but um, the reason for that was because he separated at such an incredible level. He did that in college, he then did that in the NFL. Um, and I think he's young enough, you know, to overcome. I would like to understand what he's been doing in the offseason. I hope <laughs> that that was like training and improving his game and whatnot, because that's what would worry me about this is obviously the data goes back to when he was playing and he hasn't played for a while. Um, But this is a guy that has been kind of consistently um, and over the past three years, you know, top uh, five, really in separation grade, both versus zone and versus man. Um, And so I think a guy that as long as his, his mind and his body is right. You know, you talk about Chris Olave, Judah, like, I think he's a guy, that you know, Calvin Ridley, again, that you could be talking about as a top 10 receiver. At the end of this year,
1: yeah, I like that one. Just bet is over uh, receiving yards. Actually, Um, what was that? I got it eight hundred. Yeah, yeah. I I think it was one of those where is like,
0: I feel like also somewhat underrated, and so, but there's like, it's not like he's got to compete with a bunch of guys over there.
1: Yeah, it's also not like he he's never been the like number one guy. Like he always had Julio Jones. Uh, in Atlanta, he's kind of still produced. And like, 800 is not a lot of re- receiving yards, especially in a 17 game season with Trevor Lawrence, uh, at quarterback. You can we can stay tuned. I think I, I wrote that up uh, in a forthcoming article uh, on pff.com.
0: Um, yeah, we we'll um, Before we get to and and let's see if we get one more uh, kind of around here. But before we do, um, a reminder that just because it's the off season does not mean that you cannot get your uh, your football itch scratched. And you can head over to DraftKings to play some of the best best ball uh, that is available out there. I think people have maybe forgotten. Maybe you've been sleeping on it because it's it's a sports book now. But DraftKings has been one of the best in providing, obviously, daily fantasy. And now is doing the same with best ball. So if you're new to best ball, which I don't think many of our audience will be, but if you are, um, it is basically a way to play fantasy football without the in-season roster management. You draft your team and then the best players with the most points. Uh, automatically count towards your total each week. And you can play in these big contests with millions of dollars. Uh, the DraftKings Best Ball has $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grabs. So it's a fantastic way to go kind of get yourself ready for the redraft leagues that you have, understand where people are valuing different players, and win some big cash as well. Um, it's the biggest best ball contest that you can enter today. And you can enter it at DraftKings, the DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest, Snake Draft Team two victory teams with most points at the end of the season will have a shot to take home $1 million in the top prize. Head to DraftKings app and sign up with code PFF. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars. So the way that works is use promo code PFF, you sign up, and then you get that uh, first deposit or whatever it is that you put into that uh, best ball tournament. You get that entry back, and then you can go you know bet it or, or do whatever you want. Uh, That's with promo code PFF on DraftKings and the DraftKings app. Uh, If you have a gambling problem, call 100 Gambler. One per customer, opt-in required with $10 entry fee. Bonus issued in 10 DraftKings dollars. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void or prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. This ends 7-14-2023. All right, last one, Uh, Judah, who's the last underrated guy?
1: Yeah, this is a guy who, you know, when someone asks you at a bar, uh, you you like work at pff who's the like really underrated receiver the guy i've never mm. heard of that kind of is just like popping this actually did happen uh, right before uh, a week 18 game uh, in which this receiver Khalif raymond actually had a huge catch uh <laughs> against the uh against the packers uh helped the showdown squad but this is a guy who is elite in our separation metrics Uh, You know, you're looking at the names, Stephon Diggs and Cooper Cup and Garrett Wilson, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, C.B. Lamb. Right up there with him is Khalif Raymond. And this is not a guy who's kind of like a fluke one-off thing. He's been doing this uh, every year that he has uh, enough snaps to qualify at the top four leaderboard. And he was number one in our separation uh, metric. This is a guy who is absolutely elite separating in man. Uh, It'll be very interesting to see if he can kind of jump on this opportunity. Uh, as we've kind of talked about the vacuum of targets for, for the lions Uh, definitely one I'm interested in. And this dude absolutely pops kind of out of nowhere.
2: What are the odds, dude? What are the odds? So if the people that are watching the video, I just had a reaction because that was, and even after George gave me ship for locket, which was fair. Uh, I was like, all right, I'll pull one out of the, I'll pull one really deep out of the woodwork that no one is going to mention. Uh, I mean, great shout. I read an article about him in 2021 free agency. He was a restricted free agent, but they didn't tender him. And I was like, why did the Titans not give a tender to Clef Raymond? Again, you mentioned like, you got to kind of like strip sample sizes down if you go that far back, but he was sixth in yards per reception on, on the sixth longest a dot. He, he was like you said, just an explosive player. I don't have one anymore. Cause that, that was my pick as well. And I do hope he can make the most of. No, that was my guy. I'm not going to pull it out of thin air. Uh, I'm All just right. shocked that Judah and I were both thinking Khalif Raymond there. That's right. Great
1: minds think about Khalif Raymond. There you that's go. How the, that's how the saying goes, right?
0: <laughs> that's how you know we talk a lot uh, behind behind closed doors. Um, I I have uh, I'll make up for you, Brad, by by game two, one which is a guy that I think qualifies or, or doesn't qualify for this, similar to DK Metcalf but still doesn't get enough love. And that's Terry McLaurin, a guy who continuously separates a guy continuously earns targets, plays um, like every snap, right. Does not get injured. Um, and what I like about him is that he's so versatile. He picks up yards after the catch, but he also goes down the football field. We talk about this a lot, you know, Debo Samuel, like his average depth of target's like, you know, under six yards. things like 5.3 or something like that. Um, and he's a yak monster, right? And then you have guys who are, you know, going down the football field, but they're not um, you know, they're not getting as many yards after the catch. You think of like Mike Evans, um, I think you know, Chris Olave had a pretty uh, deep average depth of target. Um, last year is a good example here. But Terry McLaurin really sits in that space where he's doing both. And um, you know, I, I think kind of similar to a Jalen Waddle. Uh, who I think it's a lot of love, but a guy like Terry McLaurin does not and, um, deserves some. And then here's a guy who I think people have written off, um, because he drops the ball left and right. Um, and has had poor quarterback play. And actually I think this is a very interesting one to bring up because of the first guy I brought up, which is Amari Cooper. Everyone remembers he had like 19 drops, um, was his first season or second season. Like this is a nightmare drops are not a stable metric. What is stable, as, as Judy has pointed out, is can you separate and can you separate first man? And The guy that can do that is Jerry Judy. So if uh, fit Russell Wilson can start putting the ball in the kind of stratosphere of his receivers, if Sean Payton gets that offense turned around, Jerry Judy, I will promise you this, will be open. And I think he catches more passes um, than he did last season by a pretty significant uh, order of magnitude. So uh, that rounds out my, um, my list of underrated guys. Uh, let's just really quickly, who's the most underrated out of this group?
2: Well, now I have a late entrant, and then Terry McLaurin, if, if Tyler uh, Lock didn't count, Terry McLaurin definitely didn't count. So I'll, I'll just get that yeah. out there real quick. So uh, I should I should have thought of this one. Our guy Deontay Hardy, who basically didn't play last year, uh, Judah. He's the original Rashid Shahid. He's your mom and pops for Rashid Shahid. Yep, uh, yep. In 2021, among receivers with 50 plus targets, uh, he was top 10 in both uh, targets per per route run uh, and yards per route run. I think he's going to be a fun, exciting, explosive player in Buffalo. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll vote Khalif Raymond uh, of the group we did originally. Um, he, he's a fun player. He is, uh, I,
0: I think it's got to be Clee Raymond because no one even knows that name. People on this podcast will know who Clee Raymond is, but to your point, Jude, if you go to a bar and you mentioned Clee Raymond, no no one's going to have no. a clue. Can no. we, can we, be- you can't, they probably don't even have a line for him. Uh, no. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the true test, right? You're underrated. That means you don't have a, Vegas hasn't even bothered to put, to put a line out for you. Um, okay, we've got, conspiracy corner. We had a great um, conspiracy corner last week. If you want to go check it out, that was on um, whether or not people are actually placing these absurd, like bet 500,000 to win 50 bucks bets under one Since then, I have like come into like two like real uh, situations of this actually happening, which is just so funny. And I can't believe these morons exist. Um, but, but they, but they do. Um, And so we have a new one. It's going to be very good. Um, And before we get to it, um, something that you will be interested in, especially if you are a parent, none of us here are parents yet, but Brad and I were talking about, you know, getting dogs. And so if you're getting a dog, you are thinking about getting a dog, you're certainly thinking about a kid at some point, it's, you know, gateway drug. So um, when you are a parent, you should probably be considering your child's well-being, And if you wanna give them everything they need to grow and thrive both now and in the future, you might wanna consider term life insurance. I gotta be honest with you, as someone that doesn't have a kid, I have not thought about it yet, but when I hear it, it sounds like something that is gonna take way too much time and I'm not gonna understand. The good news is that's no longer the case thanks to Fabric by River Life that will help protect your family and secure their future, but also not confuse you and take forever. The nice thing about this is you can go use their app, It's designed by parents for parents, and it takes less than 10 minutes. And if it takes less than 10 minutes, you can fit it into your schedule, I promise you. So go check it out. Um, It is very easy. You just simply, all you have to do is uh, go to Gerber Life, download the app. It's very easy. You download the Fabric app by Gerber Life, take the 60 second quiz to find out if term life insurance is right for you. And in just 10 minutes, you can be ready. And you can find this whether downloading the app or just go to fabric.com slash forecast. That's fabric.com slash forecast F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T. Um, and uh here's the thing: I said this uh last week and I tried to get it out without laughing. I will do it this time. It is meat fabric. I messed that up. Meat fabric m-e-e-t, not m-e-a-t, m-e-e-t, fabric.com slash forecast, f o r e c a s t to get started. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company and distributed by Agur Life Agency, LLC. Use Fabric Technologies, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. For more information, visit us at meetfabric.com forecast. All right, Conspiracy Corner. So the topic for this week's Conspiracy Corner takes us back to the NBA draft, but a different topic. So the first three picks had been basically slotted in. Everyone uh, was kind of, uh, everyone knew obviously Juan Beniano was gonna go number one. And then Brandon Miller was the um, e- enormous favorite to go number two. And then Scoot Henderson was the, the favorite to go number three. And uh, we're going along, it's been a pretty boring NBA draft betting you know ecosystem because of this, there's not kind of a lot going on. Loge had been sending you know his messages about Brandon Miller. Very much, you know, using as strong of a language as he can, which is, you know, he just comes up with different words that basically mean this team is going to pick this guy, um, and he does a very good job of that. And uh, I would say, was it mid ish Brad, that Shams tweeted out, and and Brad, if you can uh, pull up the tweet so you can read it to us, but Shams basically tweets out, and, and something that is, I would say, a little unShams like. He provided some information that was uh, to the contrary of Brandon Miller going number two. So, Brad, I'll let you kind of uh, read out that tweet and then give any additional context and we can dive into whether what we think the the, the tweet was all about.
2: Yeah. Also, shout out me for just finding it in the after he tweeted every single pick in the draft. All right. So here's the tweet. And I also should say real quick, I think the issue too, is the amplification of he went on McAfee, like half an hour after the tweet too. So anyway, um, who also worked for FanDuel, but that's, we'll get there. So here's the tweet sources. Scoot Henderson is gaining serious momentum at number two with the Charlotte Hornets in tonight's NBA draft. Hornets have been torn over the last week between Henderson and Alabama forward Brandon Miller team has final meetings today to settle on decision. Like you said, there are different levels of insiders. Or th- this isn't a value statement. Some guys are more speculative. Some guys literally just put out facts and nothing else. Shams generally falls into that second bucket.
0: Yeah, he's generally a facts guy. Good good context. So he went in uh, on, on uh, McAfee as well and talked about that again. Some of the comments were pretty funny. It was like Shams has been lost since he started going on the K Adams show. Um, you know, people kind of all fun and games. But Afterwards, um, obviously the uh, the odds change. People see that and you know get all of a sudden excited to bet Scoot Henderson at plus money. So you know ostensibly a reason for people to go in and bet a guy who ended up obviously not getting picked. Brandon Miller got picked, and here's the interesting piece: Woj on the you know endless hours of ESPN coverage leading up to the draft did not go back on his take at all. He continued as strong as he had the entire time there was no like wavering right he came on he said he he hammered it he said they have been zoned in you know isolated whatever word you want to throw out there and he kind of doubled down on it so the question is the conspiracy corner topic is do we think there was any sort of funny business implicit explicit going on with shams who obviously is is a part of the FanDuel uh family goes on on the Kay adams thing i think he may, might even have his own show or something there he's you know somehow um kind of paid by by FanDuel. um let's start with you judah what did you make of the situation what do you think about uh about shams here
1: uh, i don't think it's possible that there'd be any funny business between shams and FanDuel. like they didn't say the the risk is just way too much for like what how much more money are they going to make on the draft after this like this is a multi-billion dollar company where like this is exactly the kind of story where it, like it leaks that there was some funny business that like you might see some serious regulation. It just, there's no way. Uh, the risk is just way, uh, is, is much greater than the reward.
2: Yeah. So I agree 110%. I think it's worth talking about. It is interesting. I mean, the articles that put out of like, Hey, I emptied my bank account. Like that's like, you shouldn't do that. Like there's not certainty in these markets. So I don't have a ton of sympathy, but I get why it's being covered. I do want to say though, in the petty war of insiders, I think Waj may put out the greatest tweet in the history of sports coverage. So his tweet after the pick happened, but I think also kind of throws gas in the fire of our conversation. He said, and I quote all along, the entire Charlotte Hornets organization has been all in on Brandon Miller-ownership, front office, scouts, coaches. They all see him as a perennial future all-star player. So, yes, part of everything is just dunking on Shams. Uh, but also, it does, again, question, like, Shams, Shams probably just got a bad source or, or who knows what happened there. Um, but it did kind of throw a little bit more gas on the fire of the entire situation. But any, anyway, I agree with Judah. Judah. You're, it, it's kind of the messy part of having a an insider that works directly for a sports book, but I, I think the uh, the juice is not worth the squeeze, uh, you know,
0: a, a, at all, really. The, the juice is definitely not worth the squeeze. But this is we talk about this with our bets all the time. Don't coach your bets, right? Oh yeah, this team should pass the ball more. Okay, well, I'm going to bet them this week because they're going to pass the ball more, right? Like. That's not, that doesn't, it don't work out that way, right? People make stupid decisions all the time, left, right, and center. So Let me just put out, you know, some, some facts to consider here, Judas. See if I can, can get you, you know, thinking about this a little you bit. To do it with Tom Brady, What did you say? Tom
1: Brady is somehow going to be involved in this conspiracy.
0: <laughs> well, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. I'll see if I can, can work that in. But, but here's the thing. Okay. So um, Shams has been, trying to unseat uh, Woj for quite some time. The tack that he has taken has been one where he is not wrong. The person that has been wrong in the past has been Wo- Woj. The, there is no reason for Shams, he, I would say is winning in the court of public opinion, right? He's been winning on social media. All he has to do is continue to do what he's done in the past, which is only put out facts. Okay. if he has great sources and it by all accounts does have great sources, then you're telling me that he gets one bad source, one bad source in the Charlotte Hornets organization. And he is not thorough enough with that one source that he isn't triangulating it and saying, OK, well, I need at least a couple more before I put something like this out. Brandon Miller's minus like 900, minus a thousand at this point. You're going to warn it wrong. The other thing that I'll mention is, you know, these draft marks are, are getting bigger, right? People are betting more and more on the, the on drafts, especially at the top. And drafts are a place where the sports book, unlike in other situations during live games and all that stuff, where the sports book has a much bigger edge, this is a place where the sports book ha- does not have as big of an edge. Individual bettors are finding out information in a lot of the cases before the sports book, Right. And so ultimately this, you know, they're able to profit. It is, we talk about this all the time. Drafts are an incredible place to, to bet, wish that you know, the limits were higher, but it just does not square to me, Judah. Like there's just, there are a lot of things where this feels and looks different. Would you at least concede that, that this is a very different champs tweet than we have seen in the past?
1: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a complete break from the past. But honestly, you're you're leading me to think of a counter conspiracy, which is that maybe there's something funny going on between the and Hornets, and he's saying, "Look, I've been wrong this this whole time. Maybe feed me one here, and then have your guy tell Sean something totally different. Maybe that's what's happening here."
2: Yeah, because so last year he had Bankero third, and he had I uh, was a Jabari Smith, I think first, and those yep. obviously I, I believe were flipped. Um, which I think also fed the fire, too. People were just betting, assuming Woj was wrong again. I thought you were going to say, Judah, maybe the conspiracy of the league itself being like, all right, everyone's going to tune in for the first pick, see Wembenyama, and then turn the TV off and go watch elsewhere. And, like, the NBA draft's never going to be the level of the NFL draft. It's just like – even, like, basketball fans probably know the first five names. And then we start getting into – I mean, even this year, the – uh, when the teammate was like seventh overall pick, I never heard his name in my life, but so, you know, it's, I'm sure, yeah, sure. He's a great player, but, uh, Mets 92 legend, whatever his name was. So yeah, I, I just think that's a conspiracy as well. Like they were trying to juice some ratings. Like there's mm-hmm. so many favors and so many reasons why you could probably argue. It made sense to do, but at the end of the day, I think we're probably just, I don't know. We're living in a conspiracy world. I can tell you this of all the info you get on injuries or contracts, or whatever the draft is always going to have the most smoke by a billion cajillion miles. I almost think it's interesting. If, if I'm Shams level, it's the second overall pick. Everyone knows when Biamas first, I would just call that agent. He maybe wouldn't tell you, but like the agent for Brandon Miller probably knew he was going second overall hours before the draft. Right. And like, I would imagine Shams, his connections with all those guys. But yeah, Anyway, it's, it, it is, it is weird. It is weird. I like your
0: take actually on the conspiracy angle with Woj. Woj has a lot of pull. ESPN has deep pockets. Um, ESPN, I, I now I'm starting to think this is more likely. ESPN just took McAfee from FanDuel. Okay? okay, they're going at. They're coming hard, right? They, they don't want. I think ESPN at some point is going to get into the sportsbook game. We don't know how or why there have been rumors that they're going to buy DraftKings, you know, that have gone back or they're going to merge with them or something or other. But, you know, there there is a battle there and, you know, taking that that guy down a peg is certainly worthwhile for them. Right. And so there's a lot of power there. I like that quite a bit. I'll say this on the Shams thing. I, I ultimately was trying to get, you know, you guys riled up a little bit. I don't think there was anything explicit. Right. I, your point, Judah, is is tremendously on point, which is that there is just no way, shape, or form that 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 there is any sort of conversation going on between the people that are running the the FanDuel Sportsbook and Shams that is like, hey, buddy, can you put out a tweet that like says this? Like, there's no way, shape, or form, right? There's just no no chance. In fact, I actually think it goes the other way, which is like that probably, I think that could have hurt them because anyone that was willing to put like real money down is immediately going and going like, wow, Miller was, like, my, we did this in the NFL draft. Miller was minus a thousand. Now he's like minus, you know, 150, 200. I don't know what he got to. I'm going to go bet Miller, right? You hear Woe yeah. say that much more strongly than than did. You go bet Miller. But what I think is interesting is, you know, is there some kind of implicit, you know, wanting to have a narrative that's a little bit different because if you are, you know, if you are right, right. That is a huge kind of win for you and your team. And, and, you know, obviously you're the company that you work for. I just think it's an interesting, um, you know, thing that is in the back of people's minds and it now becomes a lot more important, right. When people are putting their, their money on the line, whereas before they were just, you, you were just wrong. Right. And, and now it's like, Hey, you told me this, And then I kind of listened to you and now I've lost and you're working directly for the sports book. Right. And so I think it'll be very interesting what we see some of these guys that are working, you know, either with, or it's somehow connected to, you know, sports betting. I think you've just got to be more diligent. Right. And you've just got, if you're, if you're a news person, you just got to be right every time. And so I do think we get a lot less of the, Hypotheticals and a lot more of the. I'm reporting this first as someone that has, you know, heard the news officially. But you're going to get a lot less of the speculation. That, that's my take on kind of the, the, you know, ramifications of this because it's not worth it. To your point, Jude, it's not worth it at all to any of these companies, right? That that tweet is just, you know, not worth it in any way, shape, or form the 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 way that it could potentially rile people up. All right. Um, any baseball bets to get us out of here?
1: Yeah, I got one, got one for tonight. No, no futures, uh, but I, I guess that is not going to help the the press so much since uh, this will probably come out during the during the game. Uh, but we're going to go with Tony Gonsolin over four and a half strikeouts. I got it plus one ten on FanDuel. Uh, Astros in general, a team with a pretty low strikeout rate, uh, but they have got five guys in the lineup with the strikeout rates greater than twenty five percent. Gonsolin's not a huge innings eater. Uh, but still, even if he pitches, you know, five, six innings tonight uh, with a higher strikeout lineup for the Astros, uh, I like this bet.
2: Well, I've been, a, a, been a lifetime play. fan of his for 40 minutes, Tony Gosselin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you have your jersey, you ready? <laughs> this,
2: yeah, is a, yeah.
0: this is the last plug for joining the printing press. If you want to know about that bet, go join the printing press discord um, and you'll be able to profit, hopefully, on Tony Goslin. Obviously, people will be listening to this. He's either hit it or he has not. But um, if you don't want to wait for the podcast and be able to get those bets, uh, you should go join uh, the Discord. Hope you guys have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you all. Love y'all. Peace.